Can you grab your Bibles and make your way over to the Old Testament, to the, to the um, book called Second Kings? A couple years ago, Natalia and I, we went out to a place called Bash Bish Falls out on the western fringe of Massachusetts. I don't know if there's anybody here who likes to be outdoors and enjoy God's nature and marvel at all the beauty that God has done. There's a pretty interesting uh, little all right, it's not like the Niagara Falls. It's a little waterfall over there that you can check out and have a good time at. Well, a couple years ago, we went there. We were excited to just enjoy nature, enjoy each other's company, check out the sights, and uh, be outside and all that wonderful stuff. So at some point, we sat down by, you know, the brook that flows out of the waterfall. We sat on some boulders, and we were just sitting to kind of like take it all in and chat. And that for a moment, she puts her phone down beside her and she just turns to talk to me for a few seconds. We're just talking. She wanted to look deep into my eyes. You know, we're, we're dating. We're excited. Things are good, right? How couldn't she want to be looking into these beautiful eyes? And so we were hanging out and uh, she turns just a few seconds later to uh, grab her phone and it's not there. It's missing. Her brand new iPhone is lost, and uh, you know, no hard feelings. I did give her that phone, and it was lost, but it's okay. Um, she just looked, and it had slid off the rock face. And so what we did is for the next, you know, several moments, felt like a whole hour, we were just kind of looking around the boulders as best we could. We couldn't step over. We couldn't jump into the water. It wasn't too safe for us to do that, but we're looking around to see if the phone was caught in between some rocks, or to see if we could spot it along the bank. We walked up and down that brook to see if we could spot it somewhere. Or maybe, you know, through the stream and, and, and the flow of water, that phone had been pushed to the bank of the brook, but we were not so fortunate. We lost something that day. And today I want us to take our attention and look in 2 Kings chapter 6. I want us to take a look at a young man who also lost something. I want us to look at a young man who we find here in this chapter has lost a tool, a device. He's lost something that he needs. He's lost something that he's depending upon and he doesn't have it. He loses an axe head and there is a situation here. So if you're in 2 Kings chapter 6, I want you to say a mighty amen. All right, that was way too weak. If you're there, say amen. 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 Now, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. We're just going to read a few verses here. Here's what it says. Now, the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. What a great problem, huh? The place that we're hanging out with you and you're teaching us and we're learning the word and we're being encouraged by God. This place is too small. Let us go do something about it. Let us go to the Jordan and, reach, and each of us get there a log and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, that is Elisha, said, go. Then one of them said, be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I'll go with you. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe had fell into the water and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Let's park it there. Father, I thank you for your word. And I ask you, Lord, that you would just speak very practically to us today. There's a reason why 
you told me to park this sermon last week and go somewhere else. So, Father, although I know it's snowing outside, I know, Lord God, there might be a lot on our minds and a lot of things for us to check off the to-do list. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your divine appointment, as we have already seen here today, that you've invited us to just be still and press into your presence. I pray, God, that you would just bring it to our core. Bring it to our minds, Lord God. Bring it front and center for us. And allow your word to meet us, Lord, where we most need it. In your precious name. Amen. This morning, church, I find a man who, uh, who's got a tool and he's missing something. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, something's missing? Something's missing. This man is doing something. He's taking care of business. He wants to be part of a solution. He wants, he has a mission. He has something to do, and yet something is missing. If we think of an axe head representing the ability, the power to get something done, how silly would it be for me to just be taking swings, going at it? How far am I going to get with this? See, if the axe head represents the power in which you can accomplish that which you need to do, the, the, the biting power of the axe head is actually what is necessary to chop down a tree, then this man is going to be wasting a lot of energy. He is going to be there for hours. He will be there and he will spin his wheels and he will get nowhere. Why? Because something is missing. Something is not there. And so I stop and I contemplated this. I've been, this message has been percolating in my heart. And Lord, what is it that you want us to hear in this place? What is it, Lord, in this time and this season, in 2022, having come out of a, and still living in a pandemic, dealing with change and transitions and all sorts of things that are going on in our society, in our world, things hitting us close and far, challenges, struggles, and so many different things. And we come to church, and I feel like there's something that is missing when I come into this place. When I find that we get to this place, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, and I look, and there's very few people in these pews. And when I look back again at 10.30, at almost 11, I see a lot more people. Lord, what is missing that we're so few when we start? Father, what is missing that so many of the ones that I know that were part of the ministry here, when I turn and I look, I don't even see them online. What is missing, God? When we do things, Lord, in the week and when we come together, Lord Jesus, and we're praying and I know you're moving, things are happening, but God, I feel like there could be more. I feel like something is missing. Let me ask you, have you felt like something's been missing in your life? Do you feel like the cutting edge, that which bites, that which gives it power, is missing from your walk with God? Have you come to a place where you realize that, hey, there is something missing here in my, in my relationship 
with God. There is something missing here. Maybe make it more personal in my marriage. There's something that's missing here in my parenting. There's something that's missing here at my job. There's something I can't put my finger on, but there's something that is missing, and I'm not as passionate as I used to be. I'm not as enthusiastic as I used to be. I don't have that first love like the Ephesian church was said to have lost out on. Maybe I've lost my first love. Maybe I've lost my passion. Maybe I've lost my zeal. Maybe I've lost that respect for my spouse. Maybe I've lost that influence with my kids. Maybe I've lost something. Am I in the right place here today? Have you ever felt like you've lost something? And I stop and I'm thinking, God, there's something here that you're trying to tell us. Have we lost our spiritual sharpness? that is so needed, that is so desperately needed for us to be able to do the work which he called us to do. I just had to sit with that for a couple of weeks. And I know silence is something that we're not really comfortable with. You ever hear silence on the radio? The minute I'm driving down my car and it's it's a moment of silence, like they're having technical difficulties, I can't stand, I got to change the station. Go to the next, we we can't deal with this. God, what is it that you are speaking to our hearts today that you would want us to contemplate and consider? Has there been something missing? Is there a spiritual axe head that is gone? That which is sharp, that needs to do the work, that is no longer there. What is it that is missing? Here's what I posit for you this morning. Here's what I think. I think that sometimes familiarity, repetition, experience, all of that leads us to some measure of comfort and, ex- and acceptability. We become too blinded with what we have done so often, what we have done and gained experience. We get good at something enough that we become blinded to what potential is there. And I wonder, in coming to church, in being a body of believers, being a Christian, we have been in this too long where we have repeated the actions and the habits, uh, the, the, the disciplines of faith for so long. And we've you know, learned a few things enough in our walk with God, and we've done it again and again, by which we have become comfortable and satisfied with what we have, and we have been blinded to potential's possibility to what God wants to do, to what he wants to establish in us. So this morning, I wonder, if we've lost this, can we get it back? Because unfortunately, we can chase our careers and grow our careers. We can uh, parent our kids. We can go to church. We can run our programs We can do all of these things in our own strength, can't we? We can do all of these things in our own strength. We can parent our children, operate our church. We can live our lives in our own power. We can do it in our own ability, with our own intellect, with our own understanding and experience. We can do all of that and do it devoid of God's power. And when we do so, we will miss out on his potential. And we will barely scratch the surface with what God intended for each and every one of us. 
So this morning, I want us to take a look at this passage. It's, it's not too complicated, and I just want to speak from my heart with you all this morning, so I hope it's okay, because I think it's critical for us to understand that if we lost our spiritual edge, there is absolutely a way in which we can get it back. And I, I don't even want to open up this thing, because this is very sharp, I almost cut my finger this morning when I opened it up and looked at it, but I do believe that we can go from this to this. I believe with all my heart that if we just take the time to understand a few things, if we just ask the Lord for his assistance and guidance, if we just take the time to consider some things, we are able to go from an axe handle that is just a handle to one that has the biting power, the spiritual fervency, the ability to do that which God wanted us to. And I've spent way too long just telling you that. But can you sit with that tension? As we look into this passage, there is something that I want us, uh, some things that I want us to look, some principles that I feel is critical for us to be aware of. If we are coming to church and we're doing church in our own power, if we're doing a marriage in our own power, if we're parenting our, our kids in our own power, if we're just going about building our lives and our career and, and building our home and, and fulfilling our dreams in our own power, then you know what? We have lost the greatest asset that we have, and that is God leading us and being with us in the midst of it all. And you know what? We cannot do it in our own for too long. We may get away with it for a while, but after a while, things will grow stale. Things will grow weak. Things will not expand and grow and become all that it was meant to be. And so the first thing that I want us to realize that if we look at this passage, I believe that there is no doubt about it that God put it here to help us understand we can get our spiritual cutting edge back. See, commentators, when they read this passage, they're like, it makes no sense why God put this in here. They say it doesn't, he's not dealing with kings and country. He's not leading the people in that way. He's already provided in other miracles, you know, the, the example of, of God stepping in in the midst of crisis and taking care of issues. There is no reason why this passage is here, but I am so grateful that it's here because if it tells me anything, it says that we can regain that which we lost if we just come to him. So if that's you this morning, I want you to say amen. If you want to regain something, if you want to regain your fervor, your fervency, your, your passion for God, if you want to have God move and meet you in the middle of your circumstance, then I need you to give a mighty amen right now and say, God, teach me from your word. If you are just so tired and sick of experiencing this same thing, you come in one way, you leave the very same way, then I need you to make some noise and say, God, you need to show me what is in this passage and help me to step into it this morning. Amen. First thing that I see, it says here, he's, he's going down to the Jordan. He gets there. He's doing the work. He's chopping the trees. And then it says, but as one was felling a log, his axe head flew into the water and he cried out, alas. Church, awareness is a great agent for change. Awareness is a great agent for change. The word alas literally means, you want to hear it? Here's the Greek. It means, oh no. Oh no. Isn't that what we scream when we lose something? Natalia, oh no, I lost my phone. Almost every single day. Oh no, where's my keys? Oh no, where's my phone? Oh no, where's my wallet? Anybody? 
oh my gosh, especially when you leave a restaurant or you leave like the mall and you can't find that thing, oh no, everyone's going to rack up everything. Thank the Lord we can call banks and dispute charges, right? But oh no is what we cry out. And this young man, the minute, it's not profound, the minute that the axe handle becomes a little lighter because he does not have the axe head. This man is aware. Let me ask you this. Are you aware of God's presence? Are you aware if it's still there? You see, this young man, he is going at it. He is doing his thing. And the minute it flies off, he cries out, alas, something has changed. I cannot keep doing what I was doing before. Something is now different. There has been a shift in the environment. There has been a shift in my circumstance. There has been a shift in my character. There has been a shift in my life. Alas. See, I feel that unfortunately a lot of us, we're just going through the motions and we're just going at it. And we're not even aware. We're, we're, we're going at it as if we are Samson after our haircuts. We are going at it as if we are Saul after our palm reading. We are going at it and we have not even understood the fact or become aware enough to the point that, you know what? In the house of God, in the house of bread, there's only breadcrumbs. That we are just going about this in our own effort now. We are swinging. And man, I'm hitting this thing hard and nothing is getting done. Why? Because I got to cut this tree down. I got to get this job done. I got to finish this project. I got, you know, to win this battle. I got to figure out this situation with my family. I got to progress in my career and I got to do this and I got to do that. And I'm not even aware that, you know what? God has left the building. He has left. Awareness is a great agent for change. The first step, if we want to recover something that we've lost, we have to first be willing to be aware that it's no longer there. And I spent enough time on that. Let's move on. I find it incredible that we have this young man who, as he is there doing this, he is concerned that there is a noticeable shift. And you know what? One thing I just want to say to you is this. I know that we sometimes get really excited and we quote this all the time. Oh, where two or three are gathered in his name, I will be there also. That's what God said. That's what Jesus promised, right? Where two or three are gathered there in your midst, I will also be. He stated to us in in, in Matthew 28 that I will be with you even to the very very ends of the age. So yeah, thank you, God. Psalmist says that where can I go and escape the presence of God if I rise up on the highest mountains you're there. If I go down to the depths, if I make my bed in the depths of the sea, there you will find me. We are under, we are aware of the fact that God is all present. Yes, absolutely. But you know what this young man knew? He knew that there is a difference between the manifest presence of God and the general presence of God. And I think some of us, we are just counting and banking on the general presence of God that he abides within this temple. That if we come to Jesus and we say, Lord, you are my Lord and Savior, that he comes to abide in us and we are to abide in him. There is that absolutely. When we gather together here, God is in our midst. When we show up at church, God shows up at church. Yes, absolutely. But you know what? There is a difference between the presence of God and the manifest presence of God, whereby not only do we show up to church, but we show up to church and we see God's hand move. 
We show up to our jobs and we say, yeah, God is with me in the midst of my, but we see God's hand move on our boss, move on our coworkers. There is a difference between God being present with us all the time, but God stepping in and changing your dynamic and your personality and your vocabulary in the midst of a difficult situation. Why? Because his manifest power is there. There is a difference between his presence and his manifest presence. And this young man was aware and he said, I don't have it. Secondly, he who won't admit failure also won't overcome it. And he cried out, alas, my master. When I consider this, I see that the axe handle flies out. He sees it go. He, he, he's aware that it's no longer around. And as he does that, immediately, he doesn't just say, oh no, to himself. He doesn't scream it in his heart. He goes to the man of God and he says, alas, my master. He comes to the man of God who represents God. In, in that day, it wasn't like God was abiding in each and every person, but God would come upon people, and he would come upon Elisha and Elijah and Moses and so on and so forth. He came upon the judges. He came upon people. And so this man cries out, alas, my master, alas, the one who has the presence of God within him because God is here. His manifest presence is in you. Alas to you, I've got to confess that I have lost it. See, by admitting that the axe handle was gone, he was admitting the fact that he had allowed it to become loose. Um, how many of you guys have ever used an axe? See, axes today are manufactured in factories, and they can mass produce them, and they're incredible. There's a thing right here that you will put right there, and you will drive a wedge in between that will help keep this thing on here. But you know what? In Bible times, an axe was not produced in the same way. An axe was not put together and held together in the same way. What they would do is they would take leather and they would make strips of leather and tie it around the axe head and they would make it tight. And as they would do that, they would take water and throw it on the leather. Why? Because the leather would expand. And when it expanded with all that water within it, there came a point where that water had to be evaporated. And when that water would go away, that leather would shrink. You guys ever watch Friends? There's a funny episode of what happens when water beats leather, and you should go check it out. It's one of the funniest episodes. But here's the deal. When water and leather mix, it shrinks. And so that leather strap around that X head would shrink down, and it would become tighter and tighter, keeping it in its place. See, what this young man realized is this. Alas, my master, the axe head flew off. It flew off, why? Because I have failed to remoisten the leather straps. It's fallen off because I have failed at doing something. See, it did not fall because, you know what? Oh, my life is just terrible and woe is me. Everything bad happens to me and uh, Murphy's Law is happening all around me. And you know, no, it happened. Why? Because he did not put the water that he needed. He did not stop every few hits and then realize, how are the straps doing? Is it okay? Is it still here? Oh no, there's no more straps. Where are they? Gone. Where's my axe head? Gone. See, he who admits his failure is able to overcome it. This really got to me as I was contemplating. God, I know something is missing in church. 
God, I know something is missing in my walk with you. God, I know the power, the anointing of God is not there. It's there in moments, and I catch glimpses of it. And God, we, we, I, I don't see it moving, the manifest hand of God in every person's life. God, there is something that is missing, and here's our temptation. Oh, it just flew away. And we say, you know what? I know why. I know why the manifest presence of God is not in my life. It's because, you know what? My job, it just keeps me away from going to church. See, I've been called into work so often that I don't have time to go into church. I can't be there at prayer. I can't be there at Bible study. I can't be there at this program. You know, I can't be available to do this or that. I'm just not there because my job takes me away. Or you know what? I'm just not there. Why? Because my church doesn't offer programs that meets my family's needs. You know what? We don't have the presence of God. We're missing something. Why? Because my church does not offer the programs and the conferences and the this and the that and whatever it is that is needed that would give the presence of God into my life. See, I know why I don't have the presence, the anointing. Something is missing. It's because my pastor, he preaches boring sermons. And you know what? When I go to church, I just don't get fed by him. And that's why I'm missing the anointing, the presence, the power of God. And my cutting edge is lacking. See, he who admits his failures is able to overcome them as well. But he who denies them is not able to face the reality of what's going on. This man says, alas, my master, I've lost it. I've lost it, and it did not belong to me. If we're lacking something, church, then you know what? It takes us being aware, but then it takes us confessing it. The Bible tells us that we need to confess our sins before him. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to forgive us of our shortcomings, to, to wipe away our iniquities. We need to take ownership of the fact that we are complicit in the problem and not say that the problem is only about everyone else and it's because of everything else in our lives. Before we will ever recover the cutting edge as individuals, as a church, we must first come to the place where we can just be honest. That's for me. That's for you. That's for all of us. You know what? Why isn't God moving the way that, he, that he's promised? He's, his word says that in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. It says that God, the, the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the glory of the former God said that he is, is coming to, to bring back and to recover a bride that is spotless without wrinkle. God, when I look around, all I see is something missing and people are, are just living in sin and brokenness and they're not growing. It's hypocrisy here and immorality there and there is lying here and there's things hidden under the carpet there. And God, there, I don't see a spotless, perfect bride that is on fire turning the world upside down. God, something is missing. Why could it be that we need to take ownership of what we've done wrong if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear their cry and i will heal their land says the lord god could it be that if i were to admit my failure you could also help me overcome it Number three, the past is to be learned from not to be lived in this man says to the man of god alas I have lost it, my master. 
And the man of God comes to him in verse 6. He says, where did it fall? See, take me back to the place where you lost it. I want to go back and revisit your history. Can I go back and look at your past? Can we go and see the place where it was lost? I don't want to just talk to you about this moment. Let's talk about what happened. Can we go back here? But what I realize is the fact that just like Peter encountered Jesus at the Sea of Tiberias, that we have to come to face our failures and to look at our history, but we are not to live with our history and move that into our future. We're supposed to look at it, let it explain some things, learn from it there, but then we move on from that place and we go beyond it. I believe that when this axe head flies off, okay, it flew off not because he gave it one big whack, but it was, it was, coming loose little at a time, little at a time. And you know what? When we are just honest with ourselves, if we would just look at this scripture and we look at this book, it tells us time and time again that we are to watch our heart because it's the most deceitful of all things. See, when we go back, if we are honest to be aware and honest to confess that we've messed up, we can also be honest and say, I know where I lost it. Some of us are looking around and saying, I don't know why God's not moving. But you know what? If we're really honest, we can say, hey, I know exactly where I dropped it. I know exactly where I dropped it. You know what? That little tidbit of gossip, it was just so juicy. I had to get in it. You know what? That, that little situation where, you know what? I was just way too busy and I could not go and pray. I, I, you know what? I don't have time to go and spend it in my word. You know what? I, it's, it's just that moment where I just said, you know what? Everyone else is cheating on their taxes, so why can't I do it? Or you know what? That exam where I just didn't have time to study and you know what? My neighbor next door, it's just an algebra test. No one cares, so let me cheat on this. We can look back and see exactly where it is that we lost it but we're not supposed to live there. Where did you lose it? Where did it fall off? Where did it fly off is what he asks him. Where is it that you encountered the problem? Pinpoint the area that is standing between you and God. See, if we want to deal with God in his power and experience him in his fullness, then we have to step in and say, Lord, I don't want to live with this. I don't want this to be a part of my life. I lost it here. Help me to let go of this now and move on to what you want me to do, to experience you the way that you would want me to experience you. Let me backtrack and discover where I've wandered off. See, that son in, in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son, this man, when he is off and he's wasted all the money and he is in a desperate situation and he's eating the food of the pigs, he's realizing that, you know what, my dad has greater, his servants eat better than I do. This man realized what his past was like. My life is better with dad. And you know what, what I have done here, how I have with, you know, completely rejected what my dad has given me. He realized well, how I'm living now and what I've, the choices I've made that brought me to this point it is not for me. I don't want this anymore. I will not be defined by this any longer. And he turns and he says, I got to go back to my dad's house. We're not to live in our misery, not to live in our absence of his power. We are to move into a better place. Go back to where we lost it. And this is the best part of this whole sermon is right here. When he goes to that place 
And Elisha sees where he lost it. I like the fact that, number one, just an aside here for a second, Elisha didn't step in and say, no, 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 I got it. It's over. No, no, don't. I'll tell you where it is. It's right there. You lost it right here, right? See, we, we have this tendency to just magnify, you know, these supernatural acts of God and, and think that, you know, when we come to a place of prayer and we ask someone to help us, we ask someone to pray with us, they have to know exactly what it is that we're feeling or doing, or we say, God, if, if this person doesn't pray and, and reveal what I am actually going through, then I'm not going to take their words, you know, uh, as valid. Lord, I'm not going to give them credit. Why? Because, God, you have to confirm it in them. See, God... Elisha said this, hey, where did you lose it? He invited the person to be a part of the solution. He invited the person to face his past, to face his issue, to confess it, and to bring it about. He didn't say, hey, you know what, no, zip it. I'll tell you where you lost it. You guys ever watch these like TV shows when the police is at a crime scene and all of a sudden the FBI shows up? What does the FBI do? The minute that the police officer, the, the, the one in command was there taking care of things, the FBI shows up and he says, all right, this is our investigation. I'll move aside. We got this. Move aside. We got this. Elisha didn't show up and say, move aside. I got this. I know exactly where you lost it. I know exactly what your problem is. I'm going to tell you what your issue is. No, God invites us to be part of it. God invites us to look at it face to face and say, it's right there. It's right here. This is what I have to deal with. This is what I have to clean up in my life. This is what I have to resolve. And then he says this. All right. Let me show you something. Young guy. Young prophet, let me show you something. That's the place? All right. Give me one of these branches that you just cut off. Give me one of these sticks that was just broken. Give me one of these branches. He takes the branch and he throws it into the water. And the minute he throws that thing into the water, he cut off a stick and then he threw it there and he made the iron float. See, church, what I want you to understand is that there is no depth that is too deep for God. There is no depth that is too deep for God. There is no amount of being lost that is too beyond his reach. There is no person, there is no circumstance that is too broken that he cannot reach and he cannot change. There is not enough uh, misery and brokenness and pain and suffering that God is not able to resurrect from the dead and bring back to life and give you a transformation. Can somebody say amen? See, when he threw that stick into the water, something happened. The King James Version says this, that the axe had swam I don't like my version of the Bible here the ESV the NLT it says that it floated no the King James says that the axe head swam I don't see any flippers I don't see any gills I don't see any fins I don't see anything on a piece of metal yet it said that it swam what an incredible sight that would have been to see See, God will operate in a way in which we do not understand. He will take a remarkable thing to do something that is impossible in our eyes. God can operate in strange and mysterious ways, and we talked about this last week, that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. So praise God that he can do something incredible. And so when something is broken, something is lost in your life, can somebody start getting excited? Because God is about to do something that cannot do that thing, do something that you never thought possible. He's about to bring life to something that was dead. He's about to defy the laws of nature for your case. He will tell gravity to stop working. He will tell the law of entropy to reverse itself. He will tell something that is fixed in nature and in the laws of physics. And he will say, hey, I will just press pause for now. 
because I got something greater to do here. See, church, I don't know what you've lost. I don't know if you're feeling like, you know what, I can never get back to that first love that I had. My family member will never come to serve God again. This loved one that I have is so broken in addiction that they will lose their life with an overdose. God, I just don't know. I feel helpless and hopeless. Let me tell you this, that God is still in the business of bringing dead things back into life. He can resurrect out of that deep water something beautiful and bring it right up to the surface once more. And I wonder, God, can you do that for us as a church? God, can you do that for us as a people? To cry out for you this day and say, Lord, we want to see you resurrect these dry bones. We want to see you raise up an army, God, that will go about doing your will in your way and will preach, Lord Jesus, to this lost world that will affect change in this society, that will make men and women bow down their knees and confess with their tongues that Christ is Lord, not by our coercion, but by the fact that God is so present with us and he is good and he is able and he is changing, he is transforming, he is doing something that is new and exciting and so we can experience his life, God. I want that for our church. I want that for this. And you know what? I don't just want that. We need that. Your family needs it. Your marriage needs it. Your children need it. This society needs it. Our schools need it. The hospitals, our officers, and those who are serving in the public sector, they need God to move. And every person, don't get me wrong here, people might fight us and persecute us and make fun of Christianity, but let me just tell you this, deep down in our hearts, the Bible tells us that he has hidden eternity in our hearts. Every man, every woman, every child is longing for something that is greater than what this world can offer. Every person is wondering, can it be true? We might not agree with it, we might not confess it with our lips, but when we lay our heads down on that pillow at night, and it's just us and our thoughts, it's just us and God, there's no other person, there, we drop the phones and we let go of Instagram. Instagram and Facebook and all the mindless activity that will take our attention away. When we just sit down and listen to that still small voice inside of our soul, every single one of us wants the axe head to float. Every single one of us wants to experience the true power of God. Why? Because it is life-changing. And so when he takes that branch and he throws it in, it's an incredible symbol of what is to come. That the root of Jesse would, become, would come and that on his throne would reign a righteous one that would never end. And when he came to that branch, when that root came to that wicked branch and it meant the waters of judgment, we were saved. That is in a symbol, it, it, it is an illusion, it is a reference to Jesus Christ when he stepped on that cross of Calvary. That which was dead floated back up to the surface and it came back to life. That which was lost, our love, our connection, our attention, our ability, our, uh, our access to God that was lost and dead came back to life. So my question is if you need to experience, you know, have you experienced his resurrection power. My question is, have you thrown in? Have you come to a divine confrontation? Have you come to face the reality of the cross? Have you come face to face with God? Have you come face to face with his son, Jesus, the divine savior, who is the one who will bring dead things back to life? Maybe what we need is to go back to the cross and say, Lord, I need to let go of all of my own strength. 
I need to confront you face to face and have an encounter with the divine and say, it's not in my own power and strength, but it's by yours. Lord, your cross in my life, your sacrifice in my life, your strength in my life, and we need to come to him. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. He can take that stick that he so sowed 2,000 years ago, and he applies it to the rivers of our lives, and he makes us alive again. The last thing I want you to understand here, and we'll wrap it up, I'll invite the team to come up here, and we're going to have a moment of just spending time at God's altar. What I want you to just realize is this, that when Elisha came to this young man, he, he saw that the young man was aware. He saw that this young man was willing to confess his failures. He understood the fact that this young man was revisiting, and he invited him to go back on his issues, own up to them, and deal with them, but not stay there. He invited this young man to have an encounter with the miraculous power of God, whereby an axe head can float to the top of a river what he now comes to see is this reality that God will not do for us that which we can do for ourselves when Elisha threw in that branch the axe head floated and I just find it incredible that it did not float all the way up all the way to that young man. It didn't come right and perfectly sit right on top of the axe head, uh, on top of the handle, and fit snugly and then bang itself in and keep and wrap itself up. No, it came right up to the surface of the water. And God, why is it that you do that? Why is it, God, if you can tell a, a man with a withered hand to extend your hand and make that man's hand completely whole, if you, God, can create things and bring people from dead to life, you tell Lazarus to step out of, of, that, of that tomb, God, if you can do such incredible things, you can tell the sun to stop and it will stop in the middle of the sky. And God, if you can do all of these things, why didn't you just have that X head flow all the way to that person? hand and move on. Why? Because God will not do for us that which we can do for ourselves. He's in the business of doing the supernatural, but he invites you to do what's possible in the natural. He is too good and too loving and too caring to say that, you know what, it's all out of your control and I'm going to do it all for you. God says, I care enough for you to be involved. And I want you to pick it up. See, there's so many of us Christians that we look around and we say, God's presence is not here. His presence is not in our church. His presence is not in our lives. It's not flowing in my marriage. It is not moving in my kids. It is not changing the dynamics of my neighborhood and, and canceling out this, addi this opiate addiction and this and that, whatever. God's presence is not here. Why? Because we have not taken it up. Could it be that God's already brought it to the surface, but now he says, hey, will you just take it? Can you just take it? Can you just take the solution? See, God brings back around. He resurrects that person who offended you, who is now applying for a job in your department. I've resurrected it. Now let me see my manifest power come through and change the circumstance in your life, in that person's life. Let me manifest my glory. Will you just take the opportunity and step into the moment where you can minister to that person and show them that you have been transformed? 
God, you just resurrected and brought it up to the surface whereby my husband just apologized for something he did wrong. Am I going to now take that and run with it and see the manifest presence of God by not holding a grudge and saying, Lord, I'm going to step into this miracle? How many of us are waiting for God to move and saying he's not moving and we're going to be waiting a long time? Why? Because we will not reach out and take it. Church, this morning, I don't know what you've lost. I don't know if you feel burdened and and frustrated like I do at times. When I consider how big this place is and how few of us are in here. I'm frustrated when I look around my neighborhood and I, and I pull up, you know, my Instagram feed and what I hear is that, you know what, there was a, a, a child psychologist and therapist who just was discovered to having a whole stack of child pornography inside of his walls. It was discovered by accident when people were there renovating his house due to water damage. It breaks my heart when I look at that and say, where is the people of God and the men and women of God who are around this person that could have said something and demonstrated the power of God and thereby changed and reached this person? It bothers me and it frustrates me when I look around and our teens are choosing everything else except the word of God. Does it frustrate you that something is missing? So what I want you to do, maybe you're not frustrated about those things, but you're frustrated at a healing that didn't come or a restoration that is still pending, or you're frustrated at the fact that, you know what, you feel like you, you cry out, cry out, cry out, and you don't hear his voice. I don't know whatever it is that you're frustrated with, but let me just give you an invitation today. I want to make this place an altar, okay? I want to invite, I'm challenging you, okay? I don't do this often, and I want to challenge you today. You're not able to be dismissed yet, okay? If you do, then you know what? I'm going to feel like something's missing between me and you. Can we just take a moment here, all right? It's snowing. You don't want to get outside anyways. You might slip. All right? You're going to have to go clean it. So stay here with me a little longer. Can we stop? They're going to worship one more time. They're going to play a song. But I want you to make an altar right here. You, you, you know, spread out. You can stand up, you can sit down, you can kneel, whatever it is that you want to do, whatever you're more comfortable. If you can't come all the way here, take a seat in the first row. But I want you to change your position. I want you to get out of your comfort zone for a second. And I want you to come to the altar and just deal with this message. God, something is missing. Look, I've been coming to church all my life. I've been hearing about God and how, you know, prayer changes things. I've been hearing how God is alive and active. He is a lion. He's not a lamb. He, he, he's this and that. And, and, and God has power and the Holy Spirit's alive and active. And it says in the word that wait in Jerusalem, you will be endued with power to be my witnesses. I've been hearing all these things, but yet God, something is missing. I want us to step in. Your family deeds it. Your life depends on it. Your spiritual life depends on God moving, not just so that you can see him one day. He wants you to experience him in his fullness today. Can you just reach out and take it? Can you just take that which you are missing? Just take back that which you know God has promised. 
Father, I pray that your presence would go beyond my simple, broken, incomplete words. Holy Spirit, I ask you that you would now speak into your children, that you would reveal into their hearts, into their walk, into their lives, Lord God, that which you have for them today. I know that you're in the business of resurrecting dead things. I know that you're still powerful enough to make the axe head float, that you can bring to the surface, Lord God, that which they have lost because nothing is too lost for you. So God, bring it into your people's lives this morning. God, give them the courage. Give them the boldness to just reach out and take it this morning. Hallelujah.